How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Hey there, Disney Files. Thanks for tuning in. Just a little warning that whilst we like to keep things bright and light here at Dissecting Disney Ditties, occasionally we do drop in a bad word or two. So if you're listening at home or in the car with the kidlets, you might want to listen to this later. Enjoy. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet to record today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to elders past and present. Ladies and gentlemen, the president will now be here to answer any questions. Uh, well, thank you all for coming. I, I do have time for a couple of questions. You, yeah, you there. Stackers from CNN. The people want to know, what is the best Disney song? That's all the time I have for today. Thank you very much. Mr. Mr. President, you, you, can't, you can't walk away from this. Mr. Mr. President. Hello, hello. Welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties with Stackers and Will. I'm Stackers. And I'm Will. And on this show, we will be taking each Disney classic down and breaking it down song by song in an attempt to answer the impossible question. What is the best Disney song? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You're getting better and better at that. You're better at that than me now. I just, yeah, they come to me at night sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) What little snippet am I going to use today? How are you, Will? I'm really, really good, Stackers. I think partly because we're winding up to the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Everything's just sort of starting to feel a bit more normal again because, you know, um, context purposes, we got our 90% vaccination rates, which means we have... All of these sort of, you know, we're, we're basically back to normal, which freedom, is fantastic. Freedom, damp it, damp it, freedom. No one knows the lyrics, freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta give what you say. <laughs> so as you might be able to tell, we are in pretty good spirits today. <laughs> yeah, and we're in person, which I just love. It's always it's always the best. Um, and after our last session, having to sort of reshuffle that and all that sort of stuff, it's really nice to be back in the studio with you. So I can stare into your eyes. Ah, uh, please. <laughs> <laughs> you might get lost in the devil's bayou <laughs> that is my eyes. That was a terrible segue. What is it the movie really that was? We- <laughs> and the movie that we are dissecting today is... The, the Rescuers. Rescuers from 1977, the same year as the Winnie the Pooh movie, which we last covered and um, really, really enjoyed. Yeah, so, and much um, more than this one, I must say. Yeah, I'm genuinely very surprised by how little I enjoyed this movie. I seem to remember, I don't think I watched the movie a lot, but I had like a little golden book version of it, I think. Mm. And so the image of the skull and the the, the sword trying to sort of pry it open and the, the diamond, that was very burned into my mind but it was only burned into my mind after that I really remembered that's where the story was going so once she got down there again I was like oh that's right this is a thing 
did not remember the vast majority of this movie. Yeah, I I looked back on this movie with fond memories because I remember really liking it as a child. But yep. then when I think back on it, what I actually re- remember more is the rescuers down under. Yeah, which I don't know if you happen to just go on and see what that it looked did like. Not. Oh, no. oh boy, I. <laughs> I think I watched about five minutes of it before I was like, no, no, I'm keeping this in a happy place, in a happy place, because it's set in Australia. There is not a single Australian actor anywhere in sight. And it's worse than the intentionally bad accents in Xanadu when, you know, she intentionally can't do the magic book, you know, and... It's bad. It's really bad. I, um, I actually find it really fascinating that America became so enamoured with Australia mm. and like their idea of Australian culture because we had like the Crocodile Dundee. Crocodile Dundee, yeah. were a huge hit. And then this followed up a couple of years later. So from memory, that's like 91 or 1990. Something, or something, like, something that. like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, right sort of on the tail end of that. Of yeah, that and you period. can see it because the protagonist in that is like a mouse version of Crocodile Dundee. Right, He's got the okay. Cooper and That's not a piece no. of cheese. <laughs> This is a pizza cheese. I'm sorry, Sarah, you lost. I, just, I find I find it really funny. And like I, I went through this phase where I was obsessed with learning about different accents and, yeah. and how they made a while ago. And I remember um this l- linguist explaining that the Australian accent is one of the most difficult to replicate if yeah. you're not from here because mostly our vowels are just so, so different and placed yeah. so differently. Um, and it did it did make a lot of sense. And he said, you know, most people when they start to think they're accomplishing it, it's more it's closer to like a New Zealand accent. Yeah. They squash it too far. Yeah. Um okay. and yeah, it's why like so many I don't know if you've watched The Good Place. Yes. You know, it's yes. just yes. she tried. She tried. And you would think it would be easier because she's British, but yeah. but no, it's just mm. You know, it all kind of comes out like this. But it sort of raises the question, why not just get an Australian person? We don't have talent in Australia, do we? No, uh, you know what? Good point. I don't think we do. Yeah, no, no. We no. are a hot mess of, hmm. uh, you know. Kangaroo writing, riding, <laughs> crocodile fighting, you know. What are, we, what are we hillbillies but Australian? Bogans. Yeah, Bogans, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, we like to pretend we're classy, but we are not. Uh, um, Australian hillbillies toting around uh, kangaroo skin uh, wallets. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's just so funny. And it must be the same anywhere in the world when you walk yeah. into a souvenir shop and you're like, nobody yeah. actually lives here yeah. in their right mind would buy this stuff. I remember going to... Um, Oh, where was I? I think I was in Athens and um, I just got suckered into one of those like tourist yeah. market stalls. <laughs> and I was like, the whole time I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try and find out where people actually shop and I'm going to go there because, you know, I don't want to get stuck mm. in a tourist trap. And I come out with like 30 key rings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Yay. Tourism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'd do it again in a heartbeat if it meant I could go back overseas again. So yeah. we're no. almost there. We're almost there. <laughs> um, so before... Before we jump into our, uh, you know, the heart of the episode, Will, I think it's time for Disney Dranks. Disney Dranks, y'all. Today, Stackers, we are drinking the Devil's Bayou, uh, which is a twist on a Sazerac. Now, a Sazerac, I don't know if you've ever had a Sazerac. A Sazerac is um, like a very classic whiskey-based cocktail, uh, which was 
often thought to be the first American cocktail, um, and it was developed by an, a bar in the uh, what was it called? It was called the the Sazerac Coffee House in New Orleans in 1850. So, considering this takes place somewhere in the South, you know, I'm assuming it was Louisiana or something like that. I thought that this would be a really good one to have. So, it's a twist on a Sazerac. Basically, it is. 60 millilitres of rye whiskey, 20 millilitres of Foro Amaro, which is like an Italian liqueur. It's almost like an Italian um, Jägermeister, like it's this herbaly liqueur. Uh, and then it is half a shot glass or 15 millilitres of uh, maple syrup. And then you just, you throw that into a stirring jar, you stir it all up. Um, don't shake this one, just stir it. And then you pour it into a coupe glass, which is what we have today. Now you can choose to garnish it with either some star anise or some candied ginger. However, we have just got it plain in the glass today. I don't know how I feel about this one. I caught a whiff of it as I was pouring it and I don't know that I feel like I'm going to like this. I'm so. looking at it and it just, it looks like something I definitely would not Order. I think I just I don't really generally drink the sort of like brown orange color yeah. drinks. I like things that are like pink. It looks like and bayou water. So it we'll does. See. Here we go. Right, cheers. cheers. I don't hate it. No, it's a it's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Mm. It's very spirit heavy. It is, but I'm like it's it's it. heavy on the rye. Mm. Um, but it's not bad. Yeah, it's sweeter than I thought it would be. Yeah. What did you say? What was that um, liqueur? Uh, Foro Amaro. Yeah, because I'm not generally a big whiskey fan, but that kind of has balanced it out to something. Yeah, absolutely. And Amaro is just kind of like an umbrella term for Italian herbal liqueurs. That right. Like each sort of brand has its own unique little twist. Mm. Um, so this is just the, t the style that I could get at the local uh, bottle shop, but, you know, your Amaro might make it taste a little bit different. But, yeah, that's actually not too bad. That's not too bad. All right. Mm. One day we'll open a bar, Will. One day. One day. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, the next, that's the next evolution of our podcast is the, <laughs> the bar. I actually kind of like the idea of a Disney-themed bar. Yeah. I like the idea of the lawsuit that would come with <laughs> yeah. it. We have something very, very close in Melbourne. Have you been to Storyville? No, I haven't, no. Yeah, it's, it's very, very much that sort of... Okay. Thing. All the cocktails are, are based around stories like Alice in Wonderland right, and yeah, there's yeah, like yeah. Harry Potter and, and things. It's, it's very cool. It's very theatrical. There's the Alice in Wonderland sort of themed bar as well. That was a pop-up thing. Oh, okay. I don't right. know if that's still around. Yeah, yeah. We'll make future bonus episode. Yeah. Nice. Sponsor us. We'll talk about your drinks more. <laughs> um, okay. Let's jump into the movie. Cue the track. The year is 1977. <laughs> 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 Just after every fact, I'd yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep it in. Keep it in. The, mu <laughs> the music was by. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Um, the music was by Carol Connors and the lyrics are by, I don't know how to say this name, A-Y-N, Arn? Ain? Ain? Ain, Ain, yeah. Robbins, apologies. Apol apologies, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the music for the hit song, inverted commas, out of this movie was actually 
written by Sammy Fain, who also scored, uh, well, didn't score, but wrote the music for Peter Pan. Think of a wonderful thought, any merry little thought. Yeah, Sammy Fain's been around for a few movies. He has. The score for this film was written by Artie Butler. In the cast, we've got quite a few interesting people uh, voicing Bernard. We've got Bob Newhart, mm-hmm. who you may be more familiar with as Professor Proton in The Big Bang Theory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's also Papa Elf in Elf. It's yeah, a great movie. Okay, yep. Uh, we've got Eve Gabor as Miss Bianca, who was also Duchess in The Aristocats. Yep. And funnily enough, in both The Aristocats and this, her singing voice is vo- voiced by Robbie, uh, Roby Lester. Right. Who was the original Dale in Chippendale. Oh, okay, cool. That's a little link there. Mm. Uh, We've got Geraldine Page as Madame Medusa, uh, Michelle Stacey as Penny. I'm just saying her name because she's got a cool surname. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Pat Buttram voiced Luke, who was also the sheriff in Robin Hood and Napoleon in The Aristocats. Uh, Okay, yep, yep. James McDonald voiced Evan Rule, who was the head of the Disney sound department. So he's kind of the original Alan Tudyk. Uh, Tudyk. Tudyk. He's kind of the original guy. Uh, So he was the second original voice of Mickey Mouse. And he was also the original Chip from Chip and Dale. So it was originally... Um, James McDonald and Roby Lester. Uh, he was also Jacques and Gus, the mice in uh, yeah. Cinderella, as yeah. well as Bruno the dog. She's nice, very nice. That's a better. Come on now. He was also the Dormouse in Alice in Wonderland. Twinkle, twinkle, little bat. How I wonder what you're at. He was also Humphrey the Bear. Uh, he was also the howling of all the dogs at the pound in Lady and the Tramp. Also, the wolf and the sword and the stone, and the hyena in bed knobs and broomsticks. Right, so, okay, yeah, similar yeah. to Alan Tudyk, he did all those kind of random animal noises and sound yeah. effects. Yeah. And he was the head of their sound department at the time. Yeah. We also had Bernard Fox in this movie. He voiced Mr. Chairman. Uh, he was Dr. Bun- Dr. Bombay in Bewitched, that awesome series. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was also in Hogan's Heroes. He was Colonel Crit- Crittenden. Okay. I never watched that, but I know a lot of people are into it. But well, the one that got me was he was in Titanic. He was in he was Archibald Grace the Fourth, and I had to Google who that was. And when I saw him come up, I was like, "Oh, that guy!" It's a really small part. Yeah. In um in Titanic, but you know, James Cameron's Titanic. It's still one of the most successful still, movies of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that was the the voice cast songs that you might recognize. From this include Someone's Waiting For You and that's about it. There's only four songs in this movie and Someone's Waiting For You they turned into a single which was sung by Shelby Flint. Oh, okay, right. Mm. Yeah. Academy Awards, it was nominated for Best Song, so Someone's Waiting For You got a nomination for Best Song but it was beaten by... You light up my life. Oh, okay. You give me hope. I don't know why I'm starting to make this what, Britney Spears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is that from? You light up my life. Yeah. Okay. I don't write that bit down. I just. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought this was Stats with Stackers. <laughs> 
<laughs> you light up my. I'll race you. Uh, it's from. Get up my. It's the soundtrack of the 1970. Oh, same name. You light up my life. Oh, okay. A film I've never heard of. An aspiring songwriter struggles to cope with the three men in her life while establishing her own identity. Okay. <laughs> Sounds fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it was a. Uh, it was what were them. So it was interesting how this story came to run out, how this movie came to be. Yeah. So the process for this movie began in 1962 and it was based on an original story by Marjorie Sharp, mm-hmm. which was written in 1959. So it was a pretty quick turnaround from the release of the book to the beginning of making it a movie. Yeah. And basically the book fo- focuses on a no- Norwegian poet that's captured by a totali- totalitarian government. So it's like a very political yeah if you sort of read between the lines um and what can the idea for it being too political and when the book came out there was a review and um someone said you know this book was basically written for disney yeah yeah which is why it was so quick between the release of the book and the beginning of this this movie being made yeah um, and after that, uh, it was revived in the early seventies and basically the main animators were working on Robin Hood at the time right? and they got all these new young animators in and they kind of got the B grade films okay. <laughs> and, um, seeing as Robin Hood was an A grade movie, they gave them the rescuers and like, Hey, here right. you go. Okay. You know, here's yeah, a, here's yeah. a book, make something about mice. Um, <laughs> and it was actually, that team was led by Don Bluth. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Don Bluth later quit Disney mm. and made an American tale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of the response to this film. Yeah. Um, he also directed Land Before Time and Anastasia. Right, okay. So some big uh, big titles there from Donnie B. Yeah, so he kind of went, screw this, I'm going to make the movies that I want to with a competing company. Yeah. And, of course, American Tale kind of shut all over Disney at this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Anastasia was also a huge success. Still very highly respected and well-received movie. Yeah, yeah, and you could very easily tell. Like you look at something like Anastasia and so many people easily mistake it for a Disney movie because it yeah. uses all the same kind of um, the structures of yeah, a Disney yeah. movie and it was just his kind of big F you to, mm. to Disney. Um, so anyway, uh, what they did when they were reviving it from the early 70s, they decided to mix it with another book in the series uh, which was called Miss Bianca in the Antarctic. Okay. And they uh, hired Floyd, and Huddle- Floyd Huddleston to make the music for the film yeah. who was the guy that was called in to make to write what do I keep saying making like he's a cake um, <laughs> he wrote everybody wants to be a cat in the Aristocats and he also he wrote baked that delicious yeah. <laughs> uh, that delicious song um, <laughs> he also wrote love for Robin Hood okay so he was yeah, kind yeah, of the yeah. guy that they call in to be like write our hit song yeah, please fix what we <laughs> <laughs> Please fix what they've done and yeah. put it some good songs. And so that story was about a polar bear that was captured and forced to perform for people. Mm. And then he puts a message in a bottle asking the mice to rescue him. Yeah, okay. So you can kind of see yeah. how the two movies blended. Originally the polar they were going to use a polar bear. So the polar bear was meant to be voiced by Louis Prima, who we know was originally meant to voice, Mm -hmm. uh, no, did voice um, King King Louis Louis in The Jungle Book. Word has grabbed my royal ear. Have a banana. And he's saying, I want to be like you. But of course, as 
often goes the way when I'm telling these stories. Um, unfortunately, Louis Prima was diagnosed with a stem brain tumour. Oh, Jesus. In 1975, so that whole idea was scrapped. Yeah. So then they scrapped the whole movie and went, don't worry about it, we'll, uh, we'll come up with a whole new idea. Right, yeah. And by this stage... Robin Hood is finished. Yeah. So they've spent so so much time trying to write this movie that Robin Hood has now come out and the A team has said, "Well, we've got we've got nothing to do, so we're going to come in and we're going to take over the rescuers," yeah. which seriously pissed off everyone involved because yeah. they're like, "But this is this is our movie." And they're like, "Well, you know, we don't have anything to do now, so step aside, newbies." There was so much tension between the original animators that were still there and yeah. the new team who were kind of just, you know, young little rebels who don't know. It's <laughs> funny hearing they're doing. that because when you hear about the controversy, the 1999 release, have you, have you got that in your stats? The there? 1999 release. So something I read up on was that when this movie was released in 1999, released for, on home video, oh. um, the it was very quickly recalled because oh. – two frames <laughs> that depict a topless woman. <laughs> um, and to this day, my understanding is that Disney have not said who was responsible, no. why they were responsible. They won't reveal it. They just, they just, yeah, recalled all the videos um, mm. and did their best to sort of fix it. But, yeah. And if yeah. you watch it on, on Disney plus now, it's just blurred. Yeah. Okay. Blurred out. It just yeah. looks like a random poster, but it is, you can find, if you Google it, you can yeah, find yeah, it. It's yeah. boobies. Yeah. There's, there's some, some, some tatas. So yeah. yeah. And that, that kind of is, a through line we know that there was there's an issue in aladdin there's another one in the lion king yeah, as well yeah, yeah. um and it's caused them to really tighten the reins on you know making sure that people check these things and it's just something that back in the day before video vhs yeah, yeah. and you know obviously the technology that followed you just wouldn't you wouldn't notice it through no, one sitting in a cinema and that's the thing like back in the 70s they probably would never imagine that one day there would be a capability for people to watch these at home and pause and, pause and, slow, and, down, and slow down yeah, yeah so <laughs> <laughs> but hearing about this tension between the animators, that kind of puts that into a little bit more perspective. Yeah. So in this newbies lot, yeah, the newbies that know nothing, we've got three very prolific animators who are going to make big changes in the next few years, which are Glenn Keane, Andy Gaskell and Ron Clements. Shit. Okay. So <laughs> these are the okay. newbies that know nothing, inverted commas. <laughs> that are responsible essentially for, for the, the renaissance. renaissance. Yeah. <laughs> So they're, um, they're pushed out um, because the A-team was uh, told they can make a movie called Scruffy, which was a movie about mon monkeys and Nazis. Okay. Or they can take over the rescuers. Right. What would you choose? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so suddenly the rescuers is an A-grade movie now, so it's going to get a bigger budget and a bigger yeah. release. Um, and then they swap out here is when they go, we're going to get rid of the Arctic and the polar bear thing because Louis Prim is not available anyway. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to swap it out for the Bayou. Right. Okay. Which is where that big change came because... Seriously, when you read this original synopsis, you won't even recognise it's the same book. Okay. It's yeah. just so far removed. Um, yeah, originally the um, – actually, I might stop there. I might – whilst we're on the topic, I'll get you to bring up the original yeah, story. Okay, so I've got it right here. Um, <laughs> now, you said this was pretty difficult to find. Yeah, so I looked everywhere. It wasn't in any library my school library, my local library, no one had it. Yeah. And I searched and searched and searched the internet. I couldn't even find like an, an ebook version of it. And then I stumbled across this amazing website and I wish I 
wrote it down because I give him a shout out, but it was something like open library. Yeah. And people have just uploaded scans of, of books essentially. Yeah. And first I thought I'd found it and it was like the Disney novel. Right. So it started with, you know, Bernard and Bianca. I was like, no, 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 I know yeah, that's yeah. not part of it. <laughs> um, and they have books where you you essentially borrow them for I think an hour or two and yeah. so it'll bring up the PDF for okay. an, an hour yeah, or two yeah. and you can just borrow it. And I found the rescuers on there. Yeah. And sped read for my <laughs> sped read for my life <laughs> before my, my borrowing time ended. Um and yeah, and that's how I that's how I found it with all its okay. yellow paged glory. <laughs> All right, so uh, The Rescuers is a British children's novel written by Marjorie or Marguerite Sharp and was first published in 1959. A review called the book Made to Order for Walt Disney, which is why Walt took an interest in the story and began working on it. The story be- that's a pretty big statement to make first up. Like it's a big marketing ploy. I guess. I yeah, it's a good way to sell a book. I might write a shitty book and just go oh, made, for, made Disney. for Walt Disney. And the irony being, once you've read the rest of it, yeah. you'll you'll seriously question that statement. Okay. I think. All right. <laughs> uh, so the story begins with a meeting of the Prisoners Aid Society. The book explains that mice are best friends with prisoners because they drop them crumbs and appreciate their company. Okay. Uh, an old mouse brings up a matter of a poet that he couldn't cheer up in the Black Castle prison. Speaking out of turn, Madam Chairwoman Mouse says, Bro, why don't we get him out? The Lady Mouse goes on to explain that poets always write nice things about mice, so they have a duty to rescue him. <laughs> it's funny, I remember as we were in high school studying um, endless poetry about uh, mice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's revealed mice like prisoners being free because they are over the eternal task of cheering up the poor sods. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> we always cheer up prisoners and we're fucking over it. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what's great? Not having to do the one thing we do. Yes, you have one job cheering up prisoners and eating cheese. Uh, the chairwoman tells the society that the poet is in Norway and they're all like, how are we going to get there? She says, plain. They gasp. She suggests Miss Bianca go. They gasp again. (laughs) (laughs) Far out. It's like a a Mel Brooks sketch. (laughs) A plane. (gasps) We're going to send Miss Bianca. (gasps) (laughs) Miss Bianca is some sort of Batman-like white mouse. She's rich. She lives in the embassy. She's white. People throw rumours around about how rich and white she is. (laughs) And nobody has ever seen her. The chair mouse calls for a volunteer to go find Miss Bianca. And this is where we meet Bernard a stocky, brave pantry mouse who has a medal for kicking a cat's ass. Yep. Pretty boss. Dope. Pretty boss. Uh, Bernard finds Miss Bianca in a cage in a boy's room. Inside the cage is a porcelain pagoda complete with a Japanese garden. Out struts Miss Bianca, dripping with jewellery and manners. She sighs about how hard it is to live in the lap of luxury. Bernard springs a boner and asks if she'd like to do something courageous with him. She's like, nah, I'm a poet. And he says, but the prisoner's a poet. And she faints. And now she's off on an adventure. It's the way to get people involved in an adventure is just to wait until they're unconscious and then, like, (laughs) take them on an adventure. Conveniently, her owner is going to Norway. So Miss Bianca jumps in and travels to Norway where she finds a mice embassy. She asks for someone to to join her on a rescue mission, and she's promptly paired with uh, with a mouse named Niles, the sailor mouse. So Bernard really only plays that early part in it so far. Well, 
Yeah, I th- I thought that's where Bernard's story ends, but he okay. does come back he does later. Come back. But yeah, this is this a very important third character which just does not exist in the movie. Right. Okay. Uh, it has often been remarked that women of rank, once their affections are engaged, can be completely reckless of the consequences. Bloody women and their emotions. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it is because of this, Miss Bianca tells Niles that she must return and get Bernard the horny pantry mouse. Yeah, okay. Yep. Niles takes her to a cargo boat and they sail back. So they go there and then they come back. That's not yeah, a great I, story, right? There's a lot of travelling to and forth. It makes it sound like mice have really easy access to transportation. Right, yeah. yeah. It's a bit weird. Uh, on the boat, in between Niles singing sea shanties and Miss Bianca vomiting, Miss Bianca tells Niles what life is like in Naura. Oh, wait, no, sorry, Norway. <laughs> Oh, shit. I was like, ah, they've gone to Australia. And that's how we got rescue started. (laughs) He tells of his simple life and cries about how poor he is. Niles says, "Uh, bitch, I'm not poor. You don't even have gumboots. And she shuts up. Yeah. So there's a lot of like, oh, you poor thing. You've got such a poor life. And he's like, bitch, you don't even know me. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, They sail and boat for ages. And finally, we get back to the Prisoner's Aid Society. Miss Bianca tells the society that she'll go rescue the poet. Bernard's penis shouts, I volunteer, and off they go to the Black Castle in a wagon. (laughs) One thing we needed in this movie was a horny Bernard. Yep. Yeah. So He's a little bit horny, I guess, but not not super horny. Oh, he's so thirsty. That whole ride in the movie, in the... Oh, what the, are they? The, it the looks bird. like a sleigh, but oh yeah, it's the, like a sleigh on a bird. Yeah, yeah. The, the tuna can or the sardine can or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely like, you know, he's thirsty. Copping feels. Um, <laughs> a few pages of wagon riding later, we arrive at the Black Castle. Bernard, Miss Bianca hide in a corner while Niles scopes the place out. They set up camp and stay there for a few pages, each day going out to check the prisoners and report back to their own mini society they'd formed. Miss Bianca writes a depressing poem and they discuss the possibility that this whole mission was a waste of time because the poet is probably dead anyway. <laughs> a, a whole bunch of stuff happens. Niles, share, Niles starts making fun of Miss Bianca being pretentious. Miss Bianca nearly gets eaten by a cat and in the cat's fur they find a note. The note reads, Will I ever see Norway again? And oh my God, this book is still going. <laughs> it's so... You can't imagine how much stuff I've cut out to yeah, get to yeah. this point. But uh, also, oh, I found a note in the cat's fur. Like, how small is this note yeah, for starters? Yeah. And how convenient. Like, how convenient. Miss <laughs> um, Bianca befriends a cat who clearly wants to eat her and discovers that the jailers all take the night off on New Year's Eve. That seems very safe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more running around the castle, blah, blah, blah. They find a water gate. Skip ahead, skip ahead. The guard passes out. They steal the key, find the poet. They escape via the water gate. The poet nearly drowns. A woman on the raft rescues them and they make it to land. What a ride. Oh, the poet is weak, gets stronger, says, I'm going back to Norway. Niles says, me too. Bianca goes back to her porcelain pagoda and Bernard goes back to the pantry. So ends the heroic tale of Bernard, Bernard and Niles and Miss Bianca. There we go. Yep. It actually keeps going after that. Uh, yeah. Like it literally says, you know, that's the tale. And then there's another chapter after it. And I can't even remember. It was so irrelevant. It was something like, you know, Bernard still misses Miss Bianca. And I think it's it's clearly leading into the second books. There's like three or four books in this series. Oh, okay. Um, after reading that, I could not be bothered reading Miss Bianca in the Antarctic. Yeah. But um, 
it's very, very different to the movie synopsis. So for those of you who have not seen The Rescuers or have not seen it in a long time, The Rescuers, the Disney version, is about a little girl named Penny already. It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Who was on a ship and drops an SOS message in a bottle into the water in the hope of being rescued. Mm. The bottle travels into the hands of some anthropomorphic mice because that's the rage at Disney at the moment who happen to have their own rescue society located under the United Nations. The the message is read by Miss Bianca, who was not only super smart but super hot piece of rodent ass. Bernard (laughs) Bernard the janitor mouse clearly wants to bone, so they're paired together to rescue the little girl. They head to the orphanage Penny was taken from and find a talking cat who sends them off onto an adventure. Uh, It's worth noting here, the talking cat also talks to Penny. Like it breaks that wall and all of a sudden it's like, oh, so Mm. humans and animals. I was very confused there. It is a very strange line to cross. I don't know why I find that a strange line, but like I don't mind a movie that has talking animals if they don't talk to the humans. But yeah, this one crossed that line so many times and I was like, why? Talk to me about your feelings, Penny. I'm yeah. like, you're a cat. You should be like, meow, meow, Penny, meow, meow. Tell me about your feelings. Meow, meow, meow. Not to mention she's the only girl in the orphanage. Yeah. And basically she's upset because instead of choosing her, they chose Annie and she's gone off to live her war box life. <laughs> Because she's like, it's a yeah. red-headed girl who... I'm like, so it's many Annie. parallels. It's I was Annie. like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> I was like, all they needed to change was this girl's name needs to, name needs to be Molly. And yeah. we've got Annie yeah. backstory. <laughs> Jesus. So um, the cat sends them off to find Cruella Deville 2.0, also known as Medusa. Medusa is obsessed with finding a big diamond called the Devil's Eye and is sending Penny down a hole to get it. Mm. Stuff happens. Penny gets rescued. Diamond goes to a museum. Bianca and Bernard bone the end. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. So, but wh- yet somehow so much more boring than how you've just described it. Yeah, <laughs> it does sound all right. It's that in slow motion. Mm. Um, my favorite fact that I found about this movie, yeah, is originally the villain was meant to be Cruella. Like literally, they were going to put her in this movie. Okay. And then Ollie Johnson, who was one of the nine old men, the animators, canned it. He was like, "That's just too weird, and yeah. we can't properly." I mean, it kind of makes sense because, you know, she's obsessed with puppies. What happens to her at the end of the animated film? Uh, they crash in. She crashes into Horace and um, Jasper's truck. Yeah. And then we just sort of like pan away as they're yelling at each other. All right. So she probably gets arrested or something. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. But um, either way, Ollie Johnson canned it and they're like, all right, we'll just make a Cruella DeVille kind of, mm. pardon me, kind of look alike. Yeah. And they replaced her with. Madam Medusa. So I think there's a character like this in the the book Miss Bianca and the Antarctic named the Diamond Duchess, which right. is where they get yeah, this yeah, yeah, um, yeah. diamond idea from. Um, so they they used her and changed her to Madam Medusa. Um, but the animator for that was Milt Carl, and he based her on his at the time still married to wife that he couldn't stand. Right. He later divorced her. But <laughs> that character is based on his wife. <laughs> How would you feel? Now, um, 
<laughs> Knowing that, it's probably worth noting that Milt Carl was an absolute legend and this was his last ever character that he made for Disney. Mm. So he just kind of wanted to go on, on on a bang and a massive fuck you to his wife and just went, I'm going to make you into this horrible villain. Um, Milt Carl is also responsible for creating the animations, uh, the character designs, I guess, of the fairy godmother. Alice, Peter Pan, Wendy, The Tramp, King Hubert, Pongo, Arthur, Madame Mim, all of the leads in The Jungle Book except Baloo, Tigger, Thomas O'Malley, and all of the leads in Robin Hood. Wow, okay. So he was a big deal. Yeah. And just I love that his last ever character was like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you back by making you this horrible villain. And she is, she's kind of like hideous and kind of like these weird, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just creepy ass Imagine horrible going home woman. at night and being like, yeah. how was your day? <laughs> It's good. It's good. <laughs> You're in a weird mood. Is this yeah. something you want to tell me? No. no. Just keep talking. Uh, <laughs> can't wait for you to see the rescuers. Yeah. It's, just, it's gonna be so good. Um, <laughs> premiere? Yeah. I've got two tickets. All right, cool. Because yeah. when I read this, it said he based it on his ex-wife. I'm like, that makes sense. But no, when they were making this movie, they yeah. were still married. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh no. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's the rescuers. It was also the first animated film to get a sequel Mm. ever Mm. in 1990 down under came out. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty quick turnaround, which surprises me because this, it's not a great movie as we've sort of, you know, Mm. uh, what am I trying to say? As we've sort of like implied, it's not a great movie. So was it that much of a success that... The do we have the numbers? Um, I don't have the exact stats. That's your job. But yeah. <laughs> it was successful. This and the Fox and the Hound were mildly successful, but nowhere near as successful as the movies that were really successful before it. Right. Okay. So the animation department is literally clawing its way to stay alive, which is why Winnie the Pooh came out the same year, where they just said we'll just glue together a bunch yeah. of shorter films, package it together, put a sort of um, framing device around it and just make it a film, which is how you got two in the same year. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, this movie was a success. Mm. Um, so the budget was $7.5 million in 1977 and it grossed $169 million. Yeah. So very, very successful. Yeah. Not as successful as the stuff that was happening around it. No. But, no. Um, yeah, it did It did all right. It was enough to sort of validate keeping the mm. – um, the animated department alive. It, the reason that the animations aren't doing super well, Disney as a whole isn't doing very well at right, this point. Yeah. By the early 1980s, it owns like 4% of the Hollywood box office. Oh, so okay. it is dying. And wow. it's because uh, the people in charge at the moment, so we're pre-Eisner here, yeah. are really desperate to keep it the same. So Walt Disney's obviously passed away. Roy Disney has passed away. Yeah. Like we we can't change. We've got to we've got to keep alive the spirit of Disney. And so they have now, around this time, turned down both Raiders of the Lost Ark oh, and E. T. Oh, fuck. So both of those were proposed to Disney and they went, nah, we're not doing those kind of movies. Yeah. So they made some very, very poor t- poor decisions. Yeah. Um, and obviously in the early 80s when they came out, I think they came out like 81, 82, they, they were, yeah. they were yeah. in there. Um, Disney would have been, that's probably why they fired those guys when those films came out and they're like, what are we doing? We need change. Yeah, it is really interesting when you hear about those, like, those sort of fork in the road moments mm. where people turn down something that, 
was a huge success. My favourite one is Sean Connery. He turned down two really big successes that he was offered roles in. So firstly, he was offered the role of Morpheus in the original Matrix movie. What? Yeah, turned it down because he didn't understand the script. He then was offered the role of Gandalf in Lord of the Rings trilogy. Sean Connery. Sean Connery, yeah. He turned that down because he didn't understand the script. And so the next movie he was offered was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And he didn't understand the script, but he went, I've turned down two movies that I didn't understand the script for, so I'm going to take this one. It's a huge, like, flop, and he quits acting as a result. (laughs) I just... Sean Connery. Yeah. I can't. I can't picture anyone else playing Morpheus. Oh no, no. Lawrence Fishburne's perfection. But yeah. like, you can um, you can imagine why if they did get Sean Connery, that would have been like a massive boon for them. You know, this sort of small, it, relatively small independent mm. film at the time. Although I don't know if it was independent. I think it was a studio film. But like this smallish budget at the time, mm. weird idea. Having Sean Connery would have been a big, big like oh yeah, awesome thing. But for can them. you imagine? Did you put the goblet ring in the goblet? Oh, wrong. Oh fuck, that's wrong, Harry Potter. Wrong wizard. That's wrong, wrong wizard. That's I was like, in my head, I'm like, find a Gandalf cough. Did you put the ring in the goblet of fire? That'll do. A wizard just... has never leached frugal, yeah. frugal baggins, nor is he early. Fly, fools. Uh, <laughs> Fly, you fools. <laughs> Would have been so bad. Because I know they, oh, no, that's the other way around. They did offer Ian McKellen. Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Yeah, yeah there we go. Um, and he said no. Yeah. Uh, because when the other guy um, and then when the other guy Richard died, Harris. they yeah. said, do you want to take over? And they were like, they were like no, because they didn't get along. Richard Harris and him did not get along at all. Oh, weird. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but anyway, yeah, I've just completely, <laughs> I've done that like Gandalf meme, the Grey. That meme. Yes, I was called that once. <laughs> that meme where they cross, you know, um, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and Star Trek. I've yeah, just yeah. become that meme. I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Do you want to take the red pill, Neo? Or do you want to take the blue pill? <laughs> the red pill, you stay in Wonderland. <laughs> uh, um, all right, so shall we jump into the songs? Yeah, let's let's take a quick break and then we'll uh we'll jump into the song. So we'll um we'll see you in just a second. Bye. Hey guys, Will here. Um, just a quick message to say, well, uh, what I usually say. Thank you, everyone, for your support with the show. Especially thank you to our Patreons. Um, if you are interested in joining our Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash dissectingdisney where you can get access to bonus episodes, um, early access to main feed episodes, uh, and we also have some merch now, which is uh, Stackers has just shown shown off to me as she's arrived today. So we're going to be sending some stuff out and have some stuff available um, Yeah, on our Patreon. Um, also, guys... If you're skipping the middle of this episode, now you can finish your skip. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should write down what I'm going to say. I'm amazed. Yeah. We were like episode 16, man. Yeah, like- I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm never prepared for our records. I'm always like, like running around the last minute going, fuck. Fuck, fuck, I need to like do my scores. Oh my god, you know. <laughs> so, um, I'm I'm usually yeah. like I do all my research 
you know, about a week before. Yeah. I yeah. always leave the hardest and longest part of it till the night before, which is re- finding and reading yeah. the original <laughs> yeah. story. And I think it's because I got, I always in my head go, are they really short stories? And they're just not. Yeah. They've yeah. all been, uh, like, I can't remember the last time it was a, you know, four page story. They've all been novels. Yeah. And they get harder and harder to find. <laughs> and I always leave that till the day before. And it's usually the reason I push our recording yeah, by like yeah. four hours because yeah. I'm still like frantically <laughs> reading and typing up like the original story yeah. because I do, for everyone that's listening, I do legitimately read all of these books. Mm. And I thank you for it. <laughs> it's funny, like a lot of like my mum says it mostly, but she's like, you've got such a weird dynamic where Stackers puts in all the work and you're just there telling jokes and shit. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's kind of how we, it's kind of what we fell into. Because I'm not funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I just could not care less about research. So... <laughs> This is why we work. (laughs) And continuing into 2022. Um, Okay, so this film opens with the first song. Yeah, it's a very weird opening. I'll I'll play the song. I'll play the song. I'm lost at sea. Boring, boring song. <sighs> this actually, the the weird thing about all of the songs from this. So, this is a weird movie for us to cover. Basically, when we started the podcast, I don't know if we've mentioned this on the show before, but when we started the podcast, we basically said we're going to cover any movie that has a character singing a song on mm-hmm. screen. Doesn't matter if the rest is, um, you know, over. Uh, what am I trying to say? Like, overlay, overlay like yeah. this. If they sing a song, we'll cover it. Which is why we didn't do Bambi. Yeah, which no one actually Bambi. sings in that. Because that's all overlay. Yeah. You know, which is why we are going to cover Tarzan <sighs> as much as I know you're going to hate it uh, because there is one, a song. One song. Yeah. And this also has one song. It's not this song, um, but that's why these songs, I think, feel so disjointed from the rest of the movie because yeah. they are so overlaid they're not meant to be part of the movie it's very very strange yeah um, this song feels like it could be a james bond theme of the time oh yeah yeah, yeah. like it has that sort of same um yeah nobody does it better, better. Like that sort of vibe and they've all got that's nancy sinatra question mark question mark um I think you can you fact check right. me there. Me I think it is, though. but you can you can very tell that the trend of the vocal, like everyone's aiming for that, like breathy and feminine voice. It's Carly you know. Simon. Oh, Carly Simon. Sorry, but Nancy Sinatra. She did, did do one, didn't one she? Uh, she did, I believe. You only live twice. Maybe you only live twice. Yes, you oh. only live twice. Okay, I've saved myself. There you go. I consider myself quite the expert in James Bond films. <laughs> so I was like, come on, what did she do? I love that. The new one yet? Uh, I have actually. Is I saw it, it, saw it last week. I think it's very hard when you have a movie like Scarf, Skyfall, yeah. and even Casino Royale before it, which was also very good. It's yeah. very hard to get back to that. Yeah. And uh, Quantum of Solace was okay. This is like, and similar to the film, uh, the, the theme. I've said that No Time to Die is like a James Bond film in slow motion. Okay. You're just waiting for that. There's just no time to die. And then the, yeah. f- the song ends like 30 seconds later. It's like, no, we needed that a minute earlier. Yeah, okay. And the film is very much like that. It's like a James Bond film in slow motion. You're just right. waiting for those like key moments. Mm. 
It's like the first James Bond film that doesn't start with action, yeah, you know? Okay. And I was like, oh, this is weird. And then, yeah, you just, I don't know. It's it's okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, no, it's I don't know. I felt like it was very long. Yeah. I've heard mixed things about it, which yeah. is why I was curious. But um, I am looking forward to seeing it. Uh, mm, it's still worth seeing. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just, it won't live up to your expectations that you have from, like, Skyfall. What is your favourite James Bond film total? I really love Skyfall. Yeah, okay. I think it's just such a good film and, mm. um, you know, it's back when Judy Dench was still yeah. in it. And, and she was phenomenal in that movie. Yeah, she's, she's such so a good M and, yeah, just everything you want, the the theme song, everything yeah. just married beautifully in that film. What's your favourite? It would either be Casino Royale because um, I just think that's perfection. I think it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Um, or if I'm thinking like classic Bond, um, Live and Let Die. Oh yeah, I think is a great one. Yeah. Uh yeah. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. I I love Casino Royale. I always my brain goes to the the part in the car where he's trying to get the defibrillator. Yeah, defibrillator to work. So tense. It also is a little bit non-realistic. Yeah. But I mean, that's, like James Bond films always are a little bit realistic. Yeah, but I that, mean that movie like heightens the realism. So yeah. Maybe moments like that do. I think more. that was my other problem with um. No time to die. The amount of yeah. times I'm like, well, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's clearly he's clear got many broken bones. There's no way he's going to get up. You know, like he, d- he dies in vertical commas yeah. so many times in that film. And I'm like, he's old, man. Like <laughs> The opening of Casino Royale. Yeah, Daniel Craig is getting up in the years now. Yeah. But, I mean, that's something that astounds me. With every, Anytime I see a Mission Impossible movie, I have to go to myself, that man is older than my dad. Yeah. <laughs> And that in itself is kind of incredible. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Daniel Craig is getting on, but he still looks so good. Oh, he still looks yeah. so good. But I, I think the first time I said, well, he's dead was about, I don't know, 12 minutes into the movie. I'm yeah. like, roll credits. <laughs> End of movie. Um, but Casino Royale, <laughs> the, the two sort of opening action sequences, firstly the fight in the bathroom yeah. and then the the chase, the like oh, the, the so free good. running chase is so, so good. So good. Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. back Sidebar. to this movie. Back to this song. <laughs> um, um, so, fun fact: these um, songs were musically written by Carol Connors. Yep. With the exception of um, some, someone's waiting for you, which I think she collaborated with Sammy Fain. I don't think she totally stepped aside for that. Okay. But fun facts about her: so she met Ayn Robinson, who did the lyrics, on a double date. She wasn't okay. dating him. Yeah. The other girl was dating him that's right. how she met him and they became life lifelong friends yeah and so it's kind of cute that then they got to do this film together but the other fun fact about her is she testified as a witness at oj's trial oh fuck really so she saw him at a charity event the night before he did slash didn't murder his wife yeah <laughs> depending yeah, on what side mark. of the fence you said i don't want to offend anyone um but yeah she she was a a witness. Was she a witness she, for the defence or for the prosecution? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. I just know she testified. That's really fa- um, fascinating. Which I was like, that's that's interesting. I like, need to look that up to see <laughs> if I can find out because it would be fascinating either way. Yeah. Carol, just I guess it's like a character witness. You know, what was he like the night before? Yeah. Carol, Carol Chambers? Connors. Connors. Carol Connors. Uh, yeah, she, uh, she testified in his defence. There you go. Yeah. Wow. There you go. I um, mean, if it's, if it's just based on, um, you know, what was he like the night before and that's the only time you've met him, you can't yeah. 
you're probably going to be in his defense because he was probably just fine and nice yeah, there. Yeah. Like, what are you, what are you going to say? I felt like he was in a murderous mood. Like, you, yeah. you're not going to know that. <laughs> he looked <laughs> like a murderer. <laughs> yeah, so I don't really think it's a black mark against her name if they were like, yeah, you know, yeah. what was he like? Fine. Yeah. Okay, see, he uh, was fine. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Said hello, shook my hand, like, it's fine. Did he murder you when he shook his hand? <laughs> no? I rest my case, judge. Was he wearing gloves? <laughs> Did he brag about writing a book that said, if I did it, this is how I would have done it? No? Okay. So, wow. yeah, there's, there's your fan, fun fact. There we go. Carol Connors. Um, <laughs> lovely voice. Uh, the song is fine. How did you rate it? Um, poorly. Okay. I gave it one for music, mm. zero for lyrics. Yep. Two for animation because it's very artsy and pretty mm. Mm. boring. I gave it zero for contribution and zero for cake. Uh, yep. Okay. Yep, I um I gave it a two for music, a zero for lyrics. I gave it a three for animation because th- that was the sort of the only thing I thought was kind of beautiful about it is like it, it felt like sort of really like oil paintings almost as yeah. it, and a lot of that looked really pretty. The um, thing that got me was it wasn't animated. No, very, very good point. <laughs> it was pictures. Very good point. Um, <laughs> So yeah, maybe I'm being a little bit nice on that, but uh, yeah, I just thought the pic- the, the paintings were beautiful. Yeah, so stand your ground. Cool. I'm standing my ground. Yep. I'm standing my ground. Up yours. Um, <laughs> uh, contribution, I gave a one. Can you justify that? Um, the only thing that it contributes is that it shows the the note getting from the bayou to. No, no, no. The about road. the song contributing. Um, because we could have had dee, 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 and yeah, the no, animation right. would have contributed the same. Actually, that's a good point, and I think I make that argument later in that the, the, the song itself doesn't contribute. So no, I'll, I'll agree, and I'll I'll amend that to a zero. All right, cool. Um, and then I gave it a zero for cake. <laughs> Straight to the top of the board with. Four points. <laughs> Sorry, eight points. Eight, eight points. points. There we go. There we go. Uh, great start. Great start to this god-awful movie. Um, actually, that's a lie. It's not god-awful. It was it's okay. Just... I did giggle yeah. when you messaged me and said, this movie is so boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I watched this in two parts. I uh, yeah. did tell you. I watched about half an hour of it and went, oh, tomorrow. I'll finish yeah. it tomorrow. That's the thing. Like, I try not to contact you before the recording because I don't yeah. want to taint your views or anything yeah. like that. But there's just there's times when I'm just so done that I yeah. just need to vent to someone, and so yeah. And if you're not trapped in a movie theater and yeah. you know you have that option of just, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Um, but then we move straight on to the sequence where the mice arriving in the UN, which I thought was very cute, actually. And uh, the entire reason that we included this yeah, in the, our the only song. podcast. R-E-S-C-U-E, Rescue Society. Touch the sky. You mean everything to me. Um, yeah. All right. What did you give this? Okay. So I gave this a one for music and a one for lyrics. Mm-hmm. I gave it a three for animation 
Um, really? Yeah, I, th- I thought that the the set was really cute. Like there was the, sort of the big thimble and the bottle. Like mm. uh, the set dressing was really nice. The It was really cute having all the mice wearing like costumes from each country they represented. And yeah. even though that's quite, you know, like uh, what am I trying to say? Um, uh, stereotypical almost, like mm. a lot of the costuming. I thought it was cute how the, there was a lot of different, cultures represented mm-hmm. um and there was also a mad hatter mouse did you see that no yeah there's a little mad hatter mouse in there makes oh, a little cameo cute. so that, that was i love how fun. all the cultures are represented but the americans run it and the americans are going to be the ones to save the day Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um except for miscellaneous european accented um miss bianca but you know uh, i think that's still white. oh what do you call that accent they used it in all the old hollywood films Oh, it's just gone out of my head. But it's the the accent that was slightly American, but yeah, uh, it's still kind of mm. uh, yeah, I can't think of the name. No. Um so a 3 for animation. I gave it a 2 for contribution. Mid-Atlantic. Mid-Atlantic. There yeah, we go. okay. Yeah. Um I gave it a 2 for contribution and a 1 for cake. All right. You were kind of than me, I think I have been kind of. I, I caught a I caught a little glimpse of your scores just before we started recording, and I said to you, "I've been we're, we're very different." I think. <laughs> so I gave it a one for everything mm-hmm. except cake. Got a zero. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I I just went okay. That was the thing. Mm. Well done. Moving on. Okay. Yeah. Nope, <laughs> didn't didn't wow me on any fronts, but I I respect the um. You know, all the the setting, and you know, nothing has ever made me appreciate scale. Yeah, and getting scale right more than when I saw the cats movie. Cockroaches, faces. So yeah, you know, I appreciate <laughs> the respect I had for scale. Did you watch the butthole cut though? Yeah. <laughs> I found that fascinating that they were they released that movie, and then while it was in the cinemas, they were sending out updates. Yeah. To it. Because things that they fixed, it's like, oh my god, just make them every time right. another fan tore it apart. They're like, quick, fix it, yeah, re-release yeah, yeah. it, just yeah. changing it. Oh no, there's a there's a wedding ring. Cut it out. Yeah. Like re-release the movie. <laughs> well, I saw it the day it came out in America. Yeah. So no, I saw it as 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 <laughs> God sent. and Tom yes. Hooper intended. <laughs> wedding right. ring at all? I remember that really standing out to yeah, me. It's like, yeah. hang Hold on, up. what? <laughs> Um, Helen Mirren just rocks up one day. She's like, I'm not getting in any costume. Yeah. You are dealing with this. You know it was Judy Dench, right? Fuck. <laughs> I didn't oh, Roll God. credits. Press the bloody button. Roll sound. <laughs> sound production take two. You know that Judy Dench just rolled. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe he's making a joke about, did she turn the roll down? I don't know. No, no he no, legit no. thought that was. I just, I. A cat yeah, is not a dog. But look, moving right along, we come to um, the Bernard's... Um, we got any cut songs for this? There was a couple in the file, but I could not find any sort of... <laughs> reason that reason. they existed. Yeah, like usually I, I'm able to find that, yes, these are definitely the cut songs, this is why they were cut, or these are the changes that were made. Could not find anything about these songs, so I haven't included them. Right, they were probably the Floyd Huddleston versions. They possibly were, mm. yeah. They possibly were. So right. I haven't included them, but I might put them on the um, socials if anyone's interested. What, in listening. what could have been? 
Yeah. What could have been, yeah. Um, so we have next uh, the Bernard and Bianca Mile High song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow is another day. Come along. Will there be sunshine shining? Will we find the silver lining? Come along. Sing a song. Today becomes tomorrow. Will we find joy or sorrow? Sing a song. This is the song that I think sounds a lot like the, the Carpenters. Carpenters. And I actually have a little snippet of one of their songs here. Long ago and oh so far away, I fell in love with you. Before the second show. So it's not so mm. much the, the song itself, but her voice just sounds so similar. I actually thought it was The Carpenters when I was watching the movie and I was really disappointed to learn that it wasn't. Yeah, I was actually going to say I was never a huge fan of The Carpenters and I'm yeah. definitely not a fan of this. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's really interesting that you made that that comment because, yeah, it just feels like ugh, just such a generic mm. nothing. Like I don't even get why the song's there. Yeah, just thinking about The Carpenters for a second, and this is a little sidebar, so maybe we'll, maybe we'll cut it. I don't know. Um, I My dad really liked The Carpenters and I got into The Carpenters. Like my dad informed a lot of my music tastes, mm. um, especially growing up and, um, you know, things like Billy Joel and The Beatles. Oh, yes. Um, the song is... I think the song has a little bit of interesting stuff to it. Yeah. Overall, though, it's it it is very much the same as the rest of these overlaid songs in the movie. They all sound very similar. Yeah. I yeah. So hence my score was one for music, one for lyrics. Uh huh. Uh, so far, nothing has scored higher than a one. Um, two for animation because I guess it's okay. They're flying over the bayou. And depending which version you watch, you get to see titties. So yeah. <laughs> Five for the titties. (laughs) Each of the titties gets two points. (laughs) Um, I gave it zero for contribution and zero for cake. It's not memorable. And if the song was, delete, I need, you know, it would serve the same purpose. Fair enough. It's kind of, um, it forces, like if you... If you thought it was cute that, you know, Bernard might like Bianca, this is like smacking you over the head with like, yes, love interests and canoodling and they're yeah. in love. It's a love story, people. But Bernard's not very nice to Bianca either during this movie. Isn't he? No, he's a bit of a dick. Like he's a bit of like a boomer, like, you know, he doesn't come out right and say it, but I get very much like a, hey, you're a woman, you should be at home kind of vibes. Right. Know? I think I missed that. I might yeah. have been sleeping. Um. Um, maybe I'm just looking too much into it, but there, I did get the feeling, a lot, like thrill out of it, that Bernard's kind of toxic. So right. I don't know. I think my, my memory is now really overridden by because I read the book after I'd watched yeah, the movie. For sure. Yeah, I'm like, no, not Niall was a total dick. Bernard was fine. But now, yeah, yeah I don't remember what Bernard was like in the movie. Um, maybe they were pulling in a bit of that. I don't know. Yeah, no. maybe. Um, look, I, I rated this this song a little higher than you. And I think it's just because I really like that whole like run of this is whatever that is. Um, so I gave it a three for music. Um, I gave wow. it a, a two for lyrics, a two for animation, one for each of the titties, um, a, <laughs> a zero for contribution and a one for cake. 
All right. Yeah, you you overall have been a bit kinder. Not, you know, crazily so. Mm. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing's heading towards the five mark. Yeah, I'm not doing, uh, um, you know, flat fives. <laughs> I stand by my tickets. <laughs> As you should. I Do not stand let by. me bully you. However, I recently watched the Tigger movie and in the Tigger movie it opens with the wonderful thing about Tiggers yeah. with an extra verse uh-huh. and I was like no nah, I'm over it now but I <laughs> stand by in much. the context of the Winnie the Pooh movie it isn't really great no absolutely great I, I make fun of you <laughs> do not let me bully you no 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 I will never check <laughs> there will be no revision um, and then we come to the last song the hit song of the movie where Sammy Fain swooped in and wrote them a was this the hit song this was the hit song fuck alright here we go <laughs> Be brave, little one. Make a wish for each sad little tear. Hold your head up, though no one is near. Someone's waiting for you. <laughs> What's <laughs> this song? <laughs> your face. This is the hit song. I- yeah. This got nominated for an Academy Award. This whole time I thought we were talking about Tomorrow is Another Day is the hit song. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see that. It's a bit sort of lighter and a bit jauntier. This song, Jesus. Far out. I'm really worried about what you scored this now. What did you give it? Okay, I gave it a two for music. Yeah, right. And a two for lyrics. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, I gave it a one for animation, uh-huh. a one for contribution, uh-huh. and a zero for cake. Oh, wow. Okay. Our scores were almost identical. Okay. Except I gave it a two for cake because I legitimately remember this song. Okay. I have a feeling, though, I may have sung it in a singing lesson when I was a kid. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that yeah, might yeah. be why I remember it. But yeah. I, th- I think this song was kind of big. <sighs> okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, yeah, it's pretty. Again, yeah. like... If Bianca was singing this, yeah. it would be so, so different because it would be so yeah. much more personal. Like, it's okay. Some Someone's waiting for you is a bit weird. It's like, you will get adopted. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. will. Just, Just like <laughs> sing more like Annie. that redhead. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I I think this, this movie really suffers from a case of the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Um. You know, Karen Carpenter's cool and Love was a really successful song from Robin Hood, so let's make all the songs like that, Yeah, which is what it really feels like they've done because Love was nominated for an Academy Award and it was the only overlaid songs and they've made a whole film of those sort of songs. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, It's, I don't know, it's very... Yeah, I mean, that's all the songs, guys. All four of them. There is a reprise of Tomorrow Was Another Day in the mm. credits, which is ironic because that's probably why you thought it was the hero yeah, song. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Weird. Weird oh. movie, weird songs, weird. Well, not weird songs, just weird for the movie, I guess. Um, it's easy to see why Disney was kind of struggling with an identity crisis or something. Yeah, they're just not, they're just not wow. And there's, you know, like a copied and pasted villain. There's no villains. Get into the villain songs, people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's weird because Medusa almost seems a little bit like a Looney Tunes character in this. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, stretching of limbs and, Mm. and like running on the spot and stuff like that, that you get in, in Looney Tunes. And it's just uh, so underwhelming. Mm. Mm. It is kind of nice to see a woman 
kind of being the leader, for once kind of being the protagonist. We yeah. haven't forgotten that all women need a male chaperone yet. Well, but yeah, yeah. It is, you know, it's kind of nice to be on the forefront of that. No, you're right. That is actually an, an interesting sort of thing because, yeah, we've got Miss Bianca, we've got Medusa and we've got Penny and that's, yeah. that's quite interesting. Yeah. And that, well, Penny is a damsel in distress and she's pretty useless and, my yeah, God, her voice yeah, is annoying, yeah. but... Um, the, and that's not to say it's annoying because she has a speech impediment. She's just annoying in general. (laughs) She's annoying because she's not Annie and we want Annie. (laughs) That's confirmed that. This is a shared universe with Annie the orphan. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, Medusa has a male chaperone and Miss Bianca has, it's like, she can't go on her own. Yeah. We need someone to go with her. We need a man to go with her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're almost there. We're almost there. This movie took so long for me to understand why Penny as well. Like, why Why did they choose Penny? Why have they taken Penny? It took me so long to put it together. I don't what know did you put together? Because I didn't put anything. All I got well, is I they mean, got the message in a bottle. Yeah. In, in, well, I mean, in the end, I, I sort of went, okay, well, Medusa's chosen Penny because she's seen her up the road from the shop because the, oh, right. the shop are on the same road. She knows that she needs a small person to fit in the, yeah. the well, essentially. But it just took me so long to go, oh, Okay, that's why. The whole movie, I was like, why have they stolen Penny, though? Because it was convenient. Yeah. Literally the answer. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And she can talk to animals. And she is weirdly the only person in the orphanage. Yep. Like, Annie was adopted... Mm. Was and everyone else? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. It's at the you see it at the end of uh, of um, the movie Annie. All of the other orphans come to live with Warbucks. Oh, right. Except for Penny, because Penny's a little bitch. Yeah, Penny's like, a little bitch, and they left her behind. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. That I weird ass kid who talks yeah. to the animals. She can stay. She- <laughs> oh, sorry, Penny. There's no room in this mansion yeah. for you. Um, <laughs> Have fun talking mm. to your cat. <laughs> You're not alone. You've got. Uh, does a cat have a name? Um, I feel like it does, but I cannot for the life. Mister Snoops. Yeah, it's is that the cat? Right. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I can't think of who else Mister Snoops would be. Maybe the Firefly, not the Firefly. The, the... <laughs> this isn't Princess and the Frog. Still haven't seen it, can't we? Oh, I really liked mm. that. Actually, the animation of the leaf boat with the firefly on yes, the back—that that was, was very, very cute. cute. Very cute. And that's um, the dude that I was talking about. Um, uh, oh my god, James McDonald. That's him oh, being okay. the firefly. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, I, I I say this a lot in like every episode. This is my jam. I really love this type of thing. I really like the idea of like the Bayou South. And so I really got into True Blood back in, you know, 2008 or whenever yeah. it first came out. And all of the, like, the Cajun accents and the, the the culture of Louisiana and New Orleans, all that sort of stuff. I really got into that. And so I would have liked to have seen more of that in this movie because you mm. don't get a lot of it. No, probably because, you know, Disney wasn't great at casting appropriately. So yeah. they were just like, yeah. we're just going to avoid that. Yeah. We're not allowed to cast white people, so we just won't put any characters in the film. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. that's the answer. <laughs> But guys, mice aren't of any colour. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. No, that's fine. But don't forget our protagonist is white. Miss Bianca. Bernard, we need to go and get... No, wait. What the fuck was that? Not <laughs> <laughs> that. Oi. <laughs> All right. So uh, that basically wraps up our thoughts on The Rescuers. You know what this is time for, though? Everyone's favourite segment. Angie's Anecdotes. 
Um, Angie very quickly tapped out of this movie. So I only got um, a very... Is her quote, okay, I'm out, bye? Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically. It's like uh, she she now realises what I'm doing because obviously she listens to the podcast. Um, and so she will like, she'll throw some firecrackers out in the first five minutes and then turn to me and go, am I done? Have you got something now? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, today uh, we have... Um, oh, we've got two. Which one do I want to do? Actually, I'm going to give you both of them. I'm going to give you a bonus. A double Angie's barrel Angie's anecdote. Here we go. Here we go. So, first one. Uh, we have the Rescue Aid Society. They're singing their song and Miss Bianca comes in late and um, and starts singing over the top of everyone. <laughs> Angie just says, so the bitch rocks up and steals a solo. you got to respect that. <laughs> Typical soprano. <laughs> it's like I've been waiting for the descant. You know, every I remember in school choir when we did Christmas carols and we did... I think it was once in Royal David Civy because da 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 da, and everyone wanted the descant. You know, yeah, and you yeah. were the queen soprano if you were told you're gonna sing the descant in the final verse. You know, that was what you were waiting for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Final yeah. verse, I'll come in and over the top of everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Respect, so, respect, respect. It. That's me. Uh, and then as she's listening, <laughs> as she's listening to <laughs> Miss Bianca talk, she says, um, she says to me, she sounds like Melania Trump. Actually, I don't know where Melania Trump is from or what she sounds like. <laughs> Angie's anecdotes. Oh, fuck. All right, that's uh, The Rescuers from uh, 1977. Hopefully the last of, of truly painful movies that we have to talk about. I don't think it will be. But... I don't either, but um, we can live in hope. Yeah, we're, look... The next movie we do mm. is in the 80s. Yeah. We know what happened in the end of the 80s. Oh, we're so close. The very we're end so of the close. 80s. So um, we are we are not far, but our next movie will be The Fox and the Hound, mm. uh, 1981, starring Kurt Russell. Future superstar. So the winning song of this episode was, drumroll, <laughs> Someone's Waiting for You with... 14 points. Jesus Christ, that's great. Have faith in the world Till your hopes and your wishes come true You must try to be brave, little one Someone's waiting I don't think any revision will get it anywhere close to the top 10, but no. at a comfy 62. That has that to be sitting. the lowest, highest rated score yeah. you've ever done. Actually, yeah, I think I think you're right. Actually, it is. Yep, every, th- every single other song of that show is beneath it. No other, yeah, Jesus. everything else is random. 62. So we currently have 75 songs on that list. 75 songs. We've yeah. done this 75 times. We've we've scored 75 songs. Wow. Mhm. What a year. What a time. 75. Yeah. Um yeah. No, there's there's still still many 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 songs to go. I look forward to it. And I am looking forward to it too. So until our next episode, I'm Stackers. And I'm Will. Bye. Bye. Bye.
powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.